All right, Pete, it's New Year's Day. How has your 2019 been so far? Off to a good start, my friend. I mean, it's it's not a bad life when you're watching football all day, watching some college basketball, getting a good free day off. Can't complain. How about you? Happy New Year, by the yeah, way. Yeah, Happy, Happy New, New Year to you as well. How are you recovered from the Hokies disappointing show yesterday? Uh, in, in standard Hokie fashion, we expected them to lose because Cincinnati was, was the better team really from top to bottom, but they, they really had a chance there. And I, I think that's what keeps killing us this season is we're, we're in these games and then we're not. So I'm doing all right. Fortunately, the basketball team got a big win over Notre Dame this morning. So at least maybe we're a basketball school now. Who knows? Nice. But, all right. But, uh, in, in all seriousness, a, a good college football slate is, is keeping me afloat. It is. Yeah, I know. I, I am disappointed with your, the results of the college football playoff semis, but I think yeah. the, besides that, there have been some good games. And I think that's especially good for us going into these games because we were talking about how college football just hasn't really been there for us this season. It's just been there. There have been, I think, a number of reasons why that is, but I've been encouraged by the bowl game so far. I think it's actually been a pretty yeah. good bowl season. Yeah, I'll. I'll agree with that. Did did you see how how well our uh, our cheese it bowl went with nine interceptions, <laughs> ten to seven in overtime? Might the be the worst bowl, bowl game of all time. <laughs> Amazing, yeah. Uh, <laughs> you called that being a, a good bowl to watch for for slightly different reasons, but I will give you credit for saying people should watch the cheese it bowl. So good on you. Not Pete. not in the way we thought it was going to go, but <laughs> not how, at all. How, how interesting. Two weeks ago, you and I talked about college bowl games, and we talked about Miami Wisconsin thinking yeah. that, that would probably be a, a disappointing game. Wisconsin blows out Miami. Mark Rick retires in incredibly surprising fashion. Manny Diaz signs to become the coach at, Clem, or at Temple, then undoes that and sticks with Miami. Temple has now gone through four coaches this year, only two of which have taken the sideline. They're making $6 million off Georgia Tech and Miami because they stole their coaches away. But Not bad. What, what a crazy bowl season. Seriously. Yeah, I know. Totally crazy. How do you feel about that with, with Miami since you're an ACC guy? Um, is this, is this I, good I, news for you overall? As an ACC fan, yes. I think Manny Diaz is going to keep recruiting pretty strongly at Miami. I think that defense will be stout. Um, it's, it's just a weird setup. The problem with Miami this year was not the defense. The defense was actually fantastic at Miami. They just had no offense. Right. So he's... He's got to do some work on an offensive coordinator and find someone who can get through to these quarterbacks. I mean, Miami kept switching quarterbacks before the game started, during the game. I, I don't think they've really solved any of their issues, but Manny Diaz is a is a fun story. I don't know if you know too much about him, but I don't, he, started, no. he started as an intern at ESPN working NFL primetime or NFL game day. I can't remember which one, doing video analysis, worked his way up, and finally just kind of started working his way through the, the coordinator positions and now i mean he's one of the the best defensive coordinators in in college i'd say so for guys like you and i who enjoy watching the game enjoy watching video maybe there's a chance who knows (laughs) you're saying maybe there's there's a chance chance. (laughs) that's awesome uh that's a good news story uh well speaking of things not going exactly the way we thought they would i thought we'd talk about nfl stuff today and rank these teams worst to first on how good their chances are for a super bowl but before we do that before we talk about the 12 teams that are actually in the playoffs starting this coming weekend, I did want to give a nod to some of these teams that are not in the playoffs and we really thought they would be. So three weeks ago, before we recorded that ill-fated that ill-fated uh, podcast episode that you know had the computer crash and then we had to scrap the whole thing, before we did that, you, me, Taylor, and Ishan all ranked the potential playoff teams in order of their probability to win the Super Bowl. And the Steelers, at that point, three weeks ago, had a 76% chance to make the playoffs, and the Vikings had a 54% chance to make the playoffs, 
And both of those teams now find themselves on the outside looking in. What are your reactions to those those teams not making it? Did you watch any of the games uh, on Sunday? And if so, what are your thoughts? I, I did. I watched the Vikings, and the Vikings were were disappointing. You know, I'm a I'm a Kirk Cousins fan. I wasn't happy when he left Washington. Uh, pretty underwhelming season in Minnesota. I think did did you see Kirk Cousins yelling was... at Adam Thielen that he didn't have 10 seconds to throw the ball? <laughs> I did. I did. That was that was pretty funny watching him try to tell Adam Thielen how to run around. Yeah, Adam good. Thielen just looking annoyed. Um, so I was I was disappointed for Kirk Cousins. Then he kind of took a shot at the Washington media, probably warranted. But still, I don't know. I don't know what to think of Kirk Cousins. I think the bigger story has to be the Steelers. Not only the implosion of this season, but now we're getting reports that Antonio AB's Brown mad. sat out or was forced to sit out because he was Disagreeing with Ben Roethlisberger. Looks like he's on his way out. Obviously, Le'Veon Bell is gone. I think Mike Tomlin's got a year, maybe two left in Pittsburgh. Big Ben's about done just in where he is in the career. I think we are really starting to see the end of the Steeler dynasty in Pittsburgh right now. Nothing more um, an example of that than what happened to them the last three games. I think you're totally right about Pittsburgh. And I'll just add to your comments about Minnesota and say that coming into this, this season, we talked about a lot of these teams. And I think I said the Vikings would win the North because I was not as high on the Bears as some were. Yeah. Although I really I think the Bears have surprised a lot of people before the Mac trade especially, and, and that was kind yeah. of right before the season started. But uh, I think before the Mac trade, Chicago looked like they might go eight and eight, seven and nine, something like that, but n- not be anything special. I really thought the Vikings would do a lot with the talent that they have on that roster. With, of course, the the uh, acquisition of Kirk Cousins from Washington, and then. You know, he has guys like Stefan Diggs and Adam Thielen to throw to. Yeah. Um, and then on defense, you have guys like Anthony Barr and Xavier Rhodes. I mean, there's just a ton of talent. This this team is stacked. And what happened two years ago, or I guess last year, was they were decimated by injuries. But coming into the season, we all thought this team is finally coming back. They're coming back healthy. Um, they are really good on defense because that's the Mike Zimmer way. And now they're <coughs> going to finally have their missing piece. I mean, look what Case Keenum could do under the Pat yeah. Shermer coordinated offense a year ago. Now they're bringing in Kirk Cousins, who is, is, is not a, he's not an Aaron Rodgers, but he's definitely a good quarterback who can be a, a franchise guy, I think. And so I was really high on them and what they would do, but this, this is now what they've done. I mean, have, have we seen the ceiling of Minnesota? I'm kind of wondering if that's the case. People are suggesting, we're suggesting that Zimmer would retire or resign. He said yesterday that's not the case. He's sticking around, so it doesn't look like he's going anywhere. But are the Vikings on the way down? I think if you're a Vikings fan, you have to be at least very concerned about that. Yeah, and I mean, we look, I mean, the, the Bears had a really surprisingly good season. But at the end of the day, this was really the, the Vikings division to lose I mean, you look at what happened with the Packers, with Aaron Rodgers being so up and down this year, firing Mike McCarthy. I mean, the, the NFC North was pretty primed for the taking, and the, the Vikings just couldn't do it. Um, and, and yeah, this this was a year where they had all the pieces. Obviously, they fired their offensive coordinator about three-fourths of the way through the season. So um, it was pretty clear things were not good up there, I'd say, from about the halfway point through the season on. But I I got to imagine if you're a Vikings fan, you think your window is pretty pretty tight right now. Yeah, I mean, totally agree. Definitely more closed than open. Yeah. Well, let's go through the 12 teams that are in the playoffs, Pete, and we'll go worst to first based on the rankings from three weeks ago. So for our listeners, in that episode that we had to end up scrapping, me, Pete, Ishan, and Taylor ranked all the teams who at the time had a shot to get in the playoffs. And that was a, obviously a much bigger list then. Uh, it included uh, all the way through the I think the Packers at that point had a chance to make the playoffs, even if it was very small. So we ranked all of these teams based on uh, if they made the playoffs, what their probability of winning the Super Bowl would be. 
And I think we'll keep those rankings intact, Pete, and we'll just go worst to first up that line. So the bottom team on this list, um, I think if I had to re-rank today, I would rank them quite a bit higher given what they've done in the last few weeks. But that's the Baltimore Ravens. Uh, the average, uh, the average right here, we give them the 15th best chance to, to win the Super Bowl out of all the teams that had a playoff chance. So we didn't even think that they would make the playoffs based on that ranking. So where do you stand on the Ravens right now? I, I think the emergence of Lamar Jackson, who we knew would, would eventually threaten Joe Flacco, yeah. uh, came on much quicker than we thought. I mean, Lamar Jackson was promising Baltimore a Super Bowl when he was drafted. And people laughed at him, but I think people forget that he single-handedly carried that Louisville team yep. for so long. Obviously, he's a Heisman winner, so everyone knew that he was very capable. Um, but I think the emergence of Lamar Jackson and the end of the Joe Flacco era, because it came on so much quicker than we expected, not only took all of us who watched the sport by surprise, but I think it took a lot of defensive coordinators by surprise. And I, I still don't think the NFL, because the defensive athletes are so good, they still don't really know how to scheme against a good mobile quarterback, especially when you don't have months and months to prepare with, a, right. with an offseason for a division rival um, like so many in the AFC faced with, with the Ravens. So the, the mobility and the arm strength of Lamar Jackson has really been the difference maker in Baltimore. So it's it's been fun. I still really didn't think they were going to make the playoffs. So this this is a fun story to watch with Lamar. Yeah, I totally agree. And I am going to be watching. So they, they play on Sunday. It's Chargers at Baltimore. The Chargers yeah. are, are in the five seed. Baltimore has the four seed, so Chargers are traveling cross-country to Baltimore. I think that could make a difference in this game. I think on paper, Los Angeles uh, has the much more talented roster. But this Ravens team looks very different from four weeks ago with the addition of Jackson. And yeah. the, the interesting thing to me is that the Ravens are doing much more downhill running than other teams, even though they have that really mobile quarterback. And I was watching some of their uh, game against the Browns on Sunday, and what Lamar Jackson can do is absolutely incredible. Um, he doesn't have the arm strength or the accuracy of Pat Mahomes, but he's way more mobile in the pocket. I think he's probably the most electric guy on the run that I've seen play in the NFL this year. He reminds me a lot of Russell Wilson in that regard. And I think people forget what he did in college. He's he's basically He was basically doing what Kyler Murray did for Oklahoma this year, another Heisman winner. So I'm, I'm going to be watching that game, and I'm going to be watching to see what the Los Angeles Chargers pass rush can do against Lamar Jackson. But um, I'm also interested to see how the Ravens' defense responds to Phillip Rivers, who's had a very understated MVP-level campaign. I don't think he'll get the MVP this year, and I, he's he's a kind of a dark horse candidate for it anyway because of, A, the Patrick Mahomes incredible 50-touchdown campaign, but also the narrative about Drew Brees and the Saints. And if, uh, you know, this could be Drew Brees' return to the Super Bowl, et cetera. Vegas has installed the Saints as the favorites to win the Super Bowl, all of this. So I think I think Brees has this on lock, and if it's not him, it's going to go to Mahomes. But, but Rivers has had that type of statistical campaign, and I'm eager to see what the Ravens' defense does to try to shut him down. If, if you're the the Chargers, you have to be very upset, not only with this matchup, but the fact that they are playing the 105 game in Baltimore after the fantastic yeah. season they had. I mean, that is a 10 a.m. start on the West Coast for their fan base. Right. Um, they're, they're traveling cross country. I don't really understand why the NFL made Philly Chicago, the afternoon game into the evening game, which is going to be freezing in Chicago, uh, opposed to making this uh, Chargers Baltimore game. Uh, the late game. I, I don't really understand why the NFL did that. I'm not saying that the weather should affect professional athletes and the timing should affect professional athletes. Right. They've done this. They know how to do this. 
But I, I feel like it was kind of a raw deal for the Chargers here, and that could really benefit uh, the Ravens as well. Well, especially, yeah, I mean, all those Chargers fans, I guess there aren't too many of them, but the ones yeah. who are in the West Coast will have to be watching that game at like 10 in the morning. So that, yeah. will, that will be kind of weird for them. Um, well, uh, we already talked about the Chargers then as well. They're further up our list, but but after the Ravens moving up the list now, we all rank the Eagles at having a, an average 13th best chance to win the Super Bowl. So again, most of us were saying they weren't even going to make the playoffs. Where do you stand now? on the Eagles after they closed out the season on this ridiculous win streak. St. Nick is coming to the rescue again. They look like their defense is back and finally playing well. Fletcher Cox has more pressures, more quarterback uh, pressures than anybody in football besides Aaron Donald, who is the best pass rusher in all of football. Michael Bennett uh, is, I think, fourth in sacks right now. So he is not looking like he's slowing down. Um, where, where do you see, where do you stand on this Eagles team? Is this, is this a little bit of the, the Eagles we saw last year, or is this a flash in the pan? Will they get shut down by the bears at soldier field next Sunday? I, I don't think they'll get shut down. I still like the bears a little more because as much as I'm a fan of St. Nick right now, um, there's just something about this bears defense that I, I still have more faith in that than the Eagles offensive play calling. I think the problem with the Eagles for a lot of the year, just like you said, the defense was kind of wishy-washy. And the offensive play calling still didn't appear as good as it was last year during that dynamic run that you guys had all the way to the Super Bowl. And I think the reemergence of Nick Foles has changed that. Um, But I I don't really understand this Philadelphia Eagles team enough based on what we saw with Carson, based on what we're seeing with St. Nick. I I just don't know what to think of them going forward. And because of that, I just can't have the confidence in them at Soldier Field at night on Sunday night against a really, really stout Bears defense. I'm going to be really interested to see how these these guys – limit or try to limit each other's RPOs. Um, yeah. Nagy and Peterson both have worked together before and they're both in the Andy Reid coaching tree. So their philosophy, offensively speaking, is very similar. And I'm curious to see how the Eagles and Jimmy Schwartz try to limit the RPOs and how Vic Fangio and the Bears try to limit the Eagles RPOs. Um, and I think that'll be kind of what the game comes down to. I mean, the the defensive lines of both teams are good. And I think the lines of both these teams on both sides of the ball are good enough that, they, that we can sort of neutralize advantages in neutralized advantages that would otherwise be there in other matchups. So really, I think it will come down to how effectively can Trubisky and Foles execute those RPOs and the offensive schemes against the other defenses. And and the Bears defense is amazing, but the Eagles defense for the past three weeks has played like one of the best in the league too. So if they're, if they come in at that level, this is actually going to be a really good matchup. Might be why the, the NFL flex it to the, the, the late afternoon slot too. I don't know. Um, but I think this will be good. Here's a question for you, though, Pete. Is there any, yeah. should there be any concern for an Eagles fan that the front office would entertain offers for Carson Wentz? I think they'd be silly not to. And I'm not saying that they need to trade Carson Wentz. Sure. Um, but I, I think it's been made clear that you guys are in a pretty healthy position at quarterback. And I think a lot of your team has aged. Um, and, and we didn't see the results this year that we saw anywhere near last year. And right. Granted, the NFL every year is so competitive. The parity is, is so high uh, that no team is going to just perform at that level every single year. But I think they'd be silly not to at least be not shopping him around, but at least listening to offers to see how they can try to build for the next three or four years. I think the problem is Nick Foles is not your quarterback at the next three years. Um, I really, really still think it's Carson. But I, I think you got to listen to offers for both these guys. Why not listen to offers for Nick Foles? I mean... Outside of December and January, he, he hasn't done a lot for you guys. I know that sounds very callous based on the fact he got you a Super Bowl win. Right. Why not listen to offers? All 
All right, so here, here's a scenario. You're Howie Roseman. You're the Eagles GM. And you get a call from John Gruden in Oakland. And the Raiders are sitting there with three first-round picks for 2019, another couple <clears throat> first-round picks in 2020. If Gruden says to you, I will give you the our original round one pick in 2019, so that's the very high first-round draft pick, and I'll give you the Cowboys round one draft pick in 2019, and I'll give you our second rounder in 2020. Do you do that for Carson Wentz? So two first rounders, one's going to be a really high first round, one's going to be like a mid first round or a upper first round, and then one's going to be a second rounder. So two first and a second for Carson Wentz. I'm trying to think of who coming out of college football right now is going to be competitive in the draft to make that a good discussion. I, I don't think I do it just because Carson is such a known entity right now. Right. I know that this season did not end up as well as, as we were hoping it would for him, but I think because you know what you're getting out of him, and if he can get past this injury bug, which might be a factor in the Philly right. front office at this point, definitely. Um, I I think I still stick with Carson, honestly. I, I think you're right for that deal. I I think my if I'm the GM, my uh, sort of minimum uh, minimum give is three firsts. Um, okay. So I think if Gruden said, "I'll give you our two of our three 2019 firsts and one of our 2020 firsts," I think I'd probably do that because that's. That's so much draft capital for really any player. Uh, I think it'd be really yep. hard to make any case for keeping a player um, for that price. Yep. Here, here's a more realistic question, though. If Carson Wentz, if the the medical staff determined that Carson Wentz is good enough to play in the, let's say, the NFC Championship game and then the Super Bowl, if the Eagles win that, assuming, of course, they win games and get there, do you replace Foles and put Wentz back in? Or- no, because of... If Foles got me there, I gotta ride the hot hand. I think you're right. Granted, if the if the defense gets you there and Nick Foles is mediocre, throwing two picks a game, keeping it under 150 yards, yeah, I, I swap him. But if he continues to be the offensive weapon that he's been the last couple weeks, I ride the hot hand all the way. I think you're right. Um, well, the Eagles will be taking on uh, the Bears, of course, as we mentioned. Um, anything that you're watching on the Bears here? When we when we gave this uh, rank initially, we said the Bears were fifth most likely to make the Super Bowl. So this was not a sleeper pick by any means. We've been pretty high on the Bears since I would say midseason or so. Like I said, yeah. we didn't see them at the beginning, but since they've really picked it up, uh, we have been ha- we've had our eye on them since midseason as uh, the team kind of emerging out of the NFC North. Obviously, they won that division easily and. Now they're looking like they might have an, an easy, easy-ish path to the uh, NFC Championship. They're uh, they're the highest favorites this weekend coming up. Um, I think Vegas yep. saw them as I think I saw four or four and a half point favorites. I'll double check the line Sucked. while you give me thoughts on the Bears. But anything to add there? Uh, so when I checked it this morning, it was actually up to five and a half on the. Oh Bears wow! Okay, yeah, that's moves. Which which I think is a is a large line. I mean, granted, we're probably looking at different sports books for this, but. I, I think the biggest variable with the Bears has got to be Mitch Trubisky, and he has performed very well this year, and he almost always comes through against the spread. Um, so I think that is a good omen if you're a Bears fan. Um, but overall, he's he's just such a young quarterback, and he's made some great decisions this year. I think he's been great under center. I just don't think he is he's a known yet, um, and I think that is what you have to be worried about with the Bears. I think the defense is going to come through for you. Um, I think your outside threats are going to continue to come through for you, but can Mitch make the good decisions under center in that high-pressure environment? I mean, he's at home this weekend, so I, I expect him to perform. But as you watch them trying to trying to walk their way down the road to the Super Bowl, 
is he going to continue to perform and make those good decisions? Yeah, I think that's exactly right. By the way, I'm looking at Bavada right now. They have actually the Bears as six-point favorites. So that line is oh, just, man. It just keeps growing. And wow. uh, I like the Eagles there on that pick. The, and the, uh, the over-under also is at 41. I like the over there, too, because I see this game going um, one of two ways. Either both teams are going to be fairly evenly matched, and they will each score three touchdowns and a field goal. Or, or you know, something in that vicinity. Or the Eagles' defense will revert to its early season form, and the Bears will run all over them and score, uh, you know, thirty-five points, and then the Eagles will score uh, two touchdowns and a field goal, something like that. So I like the over there as well. But that will be, I think, an interesting line to watch. The the broader point being, the Bears are the heaviest favorites of the first round here, and uh, everyone or most people are expecting them to take care of business against the Eagles. But you can't count out the magic of St. Nick, as we've discovered last year. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. All right, Pete, let's go. Cowboys here. Uh, we said that they were the third least likely of the existing playoff teams to win the Super Bowl. My thoughts haven't changed on that either. Um, I, I don't think they're well coached. I think Jason Garrett, as we've discussed many times before, does not do a good job with that team. I think they have some really talented players. The Amari Cooper trade went way better for them than I or most other people, most commentators thought it would. Um, but even what I saw yesterday with the Cowboys barely winning against the uh, New York Giants, that uh, this is not a well-coached team. They sat their star left tackle. They sat their star running back, and then they played all of their other starters. And Leighton Vander Esch was holding his knee because he injured his knee halfway through. Dak Prescott's in the pocket taking big hits. I mean, not good decisions on this Cowboys team. They show uncharacteristic bravado and go for the win with the two-point conversion at the end of the game. It works out for them, and they thus give their division rivals, the New York Giants, a higher draft pick. So this is the type of football IQ that we see displayed from Jason Garrett. But more more importantly, what we've seen from this team in years past is just that they cannot win big games. So I don't like the uh, Cowboys' chances going into the playoffs either. Do you have anything to add on that? I think what's interesting about the Cowboys this year, totally agree on Jason Garrett. You and I have talked about him at length. I actually think Jerry Jones and the Jones family has done a pretty good job this year in terms of getting the Cowboys the right pieces. Yeah. Um, I, th- I think when Dez walked, we didn't really know what to expect out of this offense. Dak was so untested. When Ezekiel Elliott wasn't in legal trouble, he was a, he was a great asset. But again, he was so in and out on that team last year. Um, I, th- I think Jerry Jones has actually done a very good job as the GM and owner of the Cowboys to get them the pieces they need. And I think it's, it's kind of the sum of all parts instead of the the coaching staff that has made it made it work this year in Dallas. Um, Dak has impressed me a little going forward. I think he has started to prove that maybe the guy we saw in college and the guy we saw rookie year is coming back through, and maybe he's getting completely healthy. Um, but overall, he just seems a lot more comfortable than we've seen in the past. Um, it's tough to get a bet against Russell Wilson and the Seahawks in the playoffs. Yeah, I, um, that's, that's where I was going to take this next because we actually rated them as – the next least likely uh, yeah. to win the Super Bowl. But but that was three weeks ago, and that was before the Seahawks, as they often do in, in, in the Pete Carroll era. They surge late in the season, right when they need to. And I have to say, I feel way differently about the Seahawks team than I did even three weeks ago. Certainly, certainly higher on them than I did four games into the season when we all thought the Seahawks dynasty is definitely over and Pete Carroll won't be here beyond the season and they're not going to make the playoffs and all that. All that's out the window. I think these... These Seahawks are peaking at the right time. Russell Wilson is playing some of his best football. Uh, Russell Wilson to Tyler Lockett this year has a perfect passer rating, 158.3. He's the only, they're the only quarterback receiver tandem to have that. And that's not even taking into account all of the PI yardage that Tyler 
Lockett racks up when Russell yeah. Wilson's throwing to him. I think he leads the league in PI yardage as well. So um, this team is looking really good. I like them against the Cowboys uh, this weekend. I think that they can can go into Dallas and do some damage. Right now, the Cowboys are one and a half point favorites. Um, I like the Seahawks there in that matchup, though. Well, and when you see a line like one, one and a half, two in favor of the home team, normally right. that is giving them the home field advantage. So to me, this right. this is a push according to the odds makers, and I agree with you. I like Seattle on this one. Yeah, I think it. I think it's been so interesting. We thought when the Legion of Boom was done in Seattle with the surprise retirement of Cam Chancellor and Richard Sherman leaving, that we really thought this was the end of the Seahawks defense. And the Seahawks defense has really started to come on strong here these past couple weeks. I know statistically they're not really there. But judging by the eye test, they're doing a much better job than they were the first half of the season. Uh, and I think that has really made a difference as well in Seattle. Yeah, totally agree. The next team on our list is the Indianapolis Colts. And Pete, I'm going to go out here on a limb and say that I think the Colts have a top five chance to win the Super Bowl based on the teams that are in this list. I know that's that's a little bit out there because this team is early, but I love the talent on this team. I love the fact that Andrew Luck is back and healthy and playing some of his best quarterback ever. I love the fact that he has an offensive line that can protect him. I love the fact that he has at least some weapons to throw to. And I like the Colts young and aggressive defense. And I like Frank Reich, the play caller uh, for the Eagles Super Bowl winning campaign last year. So I really like this team. I, at, at the time, three weeks ago, said that they were 11th most likely to win the Super Bowl. Um, I would be, like I said, higher on them now. And I, I would say that they have uh, the only teams that I think I would be more comfortable betting money on to win the Super Bowl at this point would be the Saints, the Rams, the Chiefs, and the Bears. I think after that, I would say the Colts are up there. I think I like the Colts' chances better than the Patriots, certainly better than the Texans, and better than the other teams that we've already discussed. So I, I really like this team. I'm really high on them, maybe foolishly so. Maybe they're going to go into... Uh, this weekend and lose to Houston, but I, I really like their chances at Houston. I think they're a more superior team, better rounded, uh, more well-rounded and uh, better on both sides of the ball. Yeah, it it is a lot of fun to see Andrew Luck, <clears throat> excuse me, coming on and being the quarterback who he was coming out of college and his rookie season when he took that improbable Colts team back in the 2011-2012 season and made him do something. Um, watching what he can do and watching the surprise that is a, uh, Marlon Mack coming out of the backfield as right. their, their running back. I mean, I I should go back and check on ESPN fantasy football rankings how much Mack was drafted in fantasy football leagues. No one expected him to really be much of anything, and that's been the problem with the Colts for years is they they went after Frank Gore and paid him a ton of money. Frank Gore is 35, right. um, and, and he, he just wasn't able to produce like he could in his mid-20s. Go figure, an NFL running back at age 35, yeah. uh, getting a little worn down. But I think it's been the ability of Andrew Luck to limit the interceptions, the ability of them to have a good running game, and then a very solid secondary, which I didn't expect either. The culture of this Indianapolis Colts team has changed drastically from the the Chuck Pagano era. I mean, he was supposed to be a defensive guru. Their defense was terrible. Um, I was a big Chuck Pagano fan as a guy, um, but I think it's clear that they needed a breath of fresh air. Um, and they they struggled the first half of the season. Don't forget they were one in five. Right. Um, but he they've been able to change the culture and just make this team a lot of fun to watch. That game against, um, or excuse me, that game on Sunday night against the Tennessee Titans for the the play into the the playoffs essentially. Aside from one or two iffy turnovers, that game was never really in doubt. Which no, I've watched the Colts for a long time, uh, and that is that is not the Colts team I've ever seen. 
This matchup worries me a little just because the Colts have always struggled with the Texans. I think they're going to struggle to contain Deshaun Watson. Um, I think that the the Texans' defense is a little more stout than they've seen here over the past four or five weeks. Um, I still like the Colts. I'm with you, but I think that this is going to be a tight game. I'm excited to watch it though. It'll be it'll be a yeah. good game. I think one of the better games of this coming weekend. Um, yeah. Let's talk about the Texans while we're at it. Unfortunately, we don't have Taylor to uh, tell us all about how great Deshaun Watson is, and he's been really playing well the past few weeks, I think. Uh, another really exciting young quarterback to watch. But I, I just don't have optimism on the Texans. I love Deshaun Watson. I really love DeAndre Hopkins. I think he's probably the best wide receiver in the game right now. But um, other than that, who is there on this team to get really excited about? I mean, J.J. Watt, um, of course, a Hall of Famer eventually. He has put together some of the best defensive seasons ever, but um, I don't I don't see it this year from him. It doesn't quite pass the eye test. He's got his, his numbers are decent, but I think it's not the same JJ Watt that we've had before. Um, their defense. Okay. But maybe not enough to stop Andrew Luck and the Colts. Certainly. I don't think enough to make and win a Super Bowl. What do you think? Yeah. My problem with the Texans more than anything else is the, the coaching. I'm not a Bill O'Brien fan at all. He came in as this big quarterback whisperer from Penn state. Um, he was supposed to be really the, the second coming and revive this this Texan team um, and just like some of the other teams we've talked about I think they're almost winning in spite of their coaching um, and I'm, I'm just not seeing the the decision making um, in terms of the, the play calling that I like I think this this Texan team is very very talented um, but at the same time I have a lot more faith on the Indianapolis sideline than I do the the Texan sideline and that shouldn't matter but in the playoffs we routinely see we routinely see poor clock management questionable fourth and one decisions uh, yeah. That's where I trust the, the Indianapolis sideline more than I trust the Houston sideline right now. Yeah, I agree. And uh, just to go back to my J.J. Watt comments, I recognize that he's having a good a good season. I just went and looked up his stats. So he has 16 sacks over 16 games, obviously averaging a sack a game, uh, 47 solo tackles, uh, 18 tackles for loss. All of that's good. And for, for any defensive lineman, I think you'd look at that and be happy with that production. And Texans fans should be, but if you compare that to his his best years between 2012 and 2015, it's it's not as impressive. His 16 sacks this year are the second lowest um, of those five years total, 2012 through 2015, and then of course injured 2016 and 2017. Um, so the the five years since 2012, second lowest. His uh, t- uh, his solo tackles is the lowest. His tackles for loss also the lowest. So um, I think there's some signs of decline here. Again, definitely a productive player, someone who can definitely tackle. Um, I mean, sack Andrew Luck and probably will at least once in that game, but not the productive player that he was from 2012 to 2015. Just not not quite the same. Definitely, definitely high caliber. Definitely elite, but not the JJ Watt that he was. Not the league breaking defensive player of the year, JJ Watt. Yeah, and you're just not seeing enough tools around him anymore. Right. I think we. I think Jadavian Clowney, while he has been good again, has still been um, not the heralded player coming out of South Carolina that we really thought he would be. So I, I'd like to see the Texans going forward continue to put more pieces on defense to, to really help take some of the pressure off J.J. Watt, who seemingly has been carrying that defense for years at this point. I will say that Jadavian Clowney delivered a brutal hit to the sternum of Nick Foles, though, in that Texans-Eagles yeah. game. So Yeah, that's true. <laughs> he does still hit hard when he does hit. Yeah, he does. Yeah, um, okay, we talked about the Bears already. Um, let's just go to the the top of our list here. We have the Saints, Rams, Chiefs, and Patriots. These teams we all ranked one through four, respectively, most likely to make the Super Bowl. So let's just work up from that. Patriots at the time, three weeks ago, fourth most likely to make the Super Bowl. 
Where do you stand on that now, Pete? Would you still put them up in that elite tier? I think I would just because of their history, because of their coaching, because of the person who plays quarterback for them. Um, but at the same time, this is a Patriots team that outside of Brady doesn't really have any blue chip players anymore and doesn't have the talent that they used to. They just had to cut one of their most productive receivers this season because of his drug relapse that we talked about on the last podcast. So I, I see a difficult uphill road for the Patriots. Now, fortunately for them, they've secured the first round by, so their road is a little bit easier there, but their road to the Super Bowl still means going through um, teams like the Chiefs. Uh, basically, you know, the Chargers, the the real heavyweights on that AFC side of things that the Patriots on paper do not match up well against. Yeah, I, I took when you think of the, the Patriots offense right now, what do you think of? You think of Tom Brady. I guess you think of Julian Edelman and you think of Gronk. And that's right. Gronk has single handedly kept them in a lot of games over the years. But Gronk is, is showing signs of age and wear and tear. So many rumors about him de- debating retirement this year. Um, I think what is the Patriots' problem is is the the lack of offensive weapons at this point. That even watching them the past couple weeks, they find a way to eke out wins, especially in New England. But overall, they're just not the the dynamic team and just the the foot on foot on the gas, right. stomping on people, getting it done. They're they're kind of squeaking by every every game, which is not the Patriot way. But again, how do you get a bet against the the Patriots in the playoffs and Bill Belichick? So I, I still have them elite, just like you do, but I I don't have that confidence that they that they're going to crush someone, that they're going to yeah. probably find a way to, to survive, but find a way is about it. So I think there is a there is a pretty clear path for them to get there, and that would look like the Texans beating Indianapolis at home this weekend. So then the Texans would be the ones to go to New England and play um, at New England there. Yep. Um, and then maybe, maybe the uh, Ravens upsetting Kansas City in the divisional round. And then, of course, to do that, they would have to beat the Chargers first. So the the defense shows up. They beat the Chargers at Baltimore at home this weekend. And then Baltimore goes to Kansas City and beats Kansas City, shutting down the Mahomes-Tyreek Hill attack. And then um, Houston plays at New England. New England wins that and then can make it uh, to the AFC Championship where they would play Baltimore. Um and then potentially win that, and then they're in the Super Bowl. But I think that's the most favorable scenario for the Patriots to make it to the Super Bowl. And I think that's even that's a pretty difficult road because beating um, Baltimore in the AFC Championship would be tough. If Baltimore's playing football good enough to beat the Chiefs, I I don't yeah. think very very uh, highly of the chances for you know Tom Brady um, to uh, to pull it off. So I think the Patriots have changed a lot since they beat kansas city there in late october um, yeah in new england of course it was in new england right which I, um, is, is i think a big difference and we have to acknowledge that yeah they do have yeah. home field advantage so they will play in new england um against whoever their divisional round rival is yeah yeah and i think that is what is leveling the playing field more than anything else right now is yeah. playing in new england so yeah. uh totally agree not a lot of faith but patriots surprise us every year so who knows well, the third like third most likely team to win the Super Bowl we ranked at the time was the Chiefs. I think, honestly, Pete, I would put them at number one right now because of the way the Chiefs are playing. Uh, we talked about it on that podcast that we had to delete because my computer crashed, but Taylor said that Pat Mahomes is the best quarterback he's ever seen play. And I have to say, based on the limited sample size of this year, based on what I see Pat Mahomes doing, he is the best 
quarterback that I've ever seen play football. And uh, when you put him in an Andy Reid scheme with guys like Tyreek Hill to throw to, the fastest man in football, good things are going to happen. And it's going to be really hard for defenses to shut that down. I really like the chances. I think they're looking hotter than the Saints right now. Um, the Saints, I think, on paper have the better roster. They certainly have the more experienced quarterback, but I really, really like the talent on this Chiefs offense. The two things I would say, um, one is the Chiefs defense, which has played um, acceptably at times this year and then played horribly at other times this year. Um, that that Chiefs-Patriots game that you mentioned earlier, the Chiefs-Rams game even, um, just shootouts with basically no defense. Uh, and then the second thing I'd mention is that Andy Reid does not have a good playoff record. He always makes bad, bad play calling uh, choices in the second half, especially. He somehow just forgets to manage the clock effectively. So it's little things like that that can come down and make big differences in high impact games like this. That's exactly what we saw with the Chiefs last year um, in their first round exit in the playoffs. And I'm afraid we could see that again this year, which would be a shame because we need to see Pat Mahomes going far in these playoffs. Yeah. Here's, here's where I think the Andy Reid argument won't hold water this year is for so long he had guys like Alex Smith who are good athletes, great game managers uh, in terms of the play calling on the field. But I think the dynamic nature of Pat Mahomes and his ability to make something work with his feet, just like you yeah. mentioned, the different arm angles, um, I see him being able to not necessarily overcome issues from the sideline and the coaching staff, but I think his ability to mix it up so much while the play is happening instead of just working through his progression and then making something happen like Alex Smith would have, I think that could start to make a difference. Obviously, yeah, that makes sense. timeouts, clock management, that is still the responsibility of Andy Reid. But I almost think that there's less pressure on Andy Reid this year than there has been in the past. So totally agree. We need to see this guy deep in the playoffs to make these playoffs more exciting, exactly like we saw with that Chiefs-Rams game or the, the Chiefs-Patriots game. Yeah. Well, let's talk about our final two here, Rams and Saints both obviously on the NFC side of things. I'm really excited about both of these teams. I'm more excited about the Rams because the roster is younger. The coach is newer. I think there's just there's more foundational material there for a potential dynasty. But I'm really excited about the Saints this year in particular because this could be Breeze's last good chance at a Super Bowl. I'm getting a second ring. Breeze, I think we'd agree, is one of the best quarterbacks of all time. A surefire Hall of Famer. We talked about on our last podcast, best one of the best... Um, sequences of the year was when he broke the all-time passing yardage record. So I'm loving the narrative of the Saints team going in this year. Um, I think they're cooling off uh, at the end of the season here. Breeze was looking like um, the the runaway MVP candidate through the first half of the season, and then he turned in a couple performances where he was passing for like less than 200 yards and throwing a pair of picks, things like that. So I'd be concerned that that would be a Breeze that would show up in one of these playoff games. Um, but on the other hand, um, you know, I think the the Saints sort of once they once they got their division locked in, they knew they had some flex room there, and uh, you know, rested all their starters for the last game of the season where they got stomped by the Panthers because nobody was really playing. Um, and so I think they're going to come in fresh and ready to go. They obviously have the number one seed, so that will play to their advantage. The Rams. Um, the Rams are really exciting. Todd Gurley's been hurt. I haven't actually seen if he's yeah. definitely playing this uh, in the first round. He, he, they probably don't know yet because they don't have to declare him on the injury report yet. But that could certainly affect things for the Rams. Um, and the Rams, too, I think, are cooling off at just kind of the wrong time. So these were two teams that and we thought going in uh, or after like a quarter of the season, after we play four, four games, maybe even at the halfway point, we said the Super Bowl is definitely going to be the Saints, the Rams, or the Chiefs. One of those three teams is going to win it because they're all playing like that. 
And then, um, and then they all kind of cooled off a little bit. I think the Chiefs, the least so, but the Saints and Rams, at least, at least in my view, are cooling off quite a bit. Um, and I'm just concerned about whether or not they'll be able to maintain the momentum. But I'm excited to see what Sean McVay can dial up for the Rams' offense in the playoffs. Uh, hopefully, Todd Gurley comes back because I think that significantly affects the Rams' chances. If they don't have their their hybrid passing, rushing attack in Gurley, it really narrows Goff's options to throw to down the field. And it, it makes it makes it a lot harder to pull off the RPO concepts, play action that Sean McVay utilizes so heavily. Yeah, I I think the issue with the Rams is more so Jared Goff than it is anything else. I think that yeah, defense is starting right. to come back on strong with the Rams. Wade Phillips is a great defensive coordinator. I mean, remember what he did in Denver and in Dallas. I mean, the, the guy knows his way around a, a defensive scheme. Uh, and I think that Rams defense is coming back right now. And that's where I think uh, I still lean more towards the Rams than I do the Saints. I totally agree with you. Like we talked about on the last podcast, the Drew Brees narrative is great. Um, but but you just look at the dynamic nature of what the Rams can do, especially yeah. if Todd Gurley's back. If Todd Gurley is not back, which would shock me, um, then then I'm I'm thinking it's it's the Saints. It's the Saints to lose. Right. But the the way that Todd Gurley runs the football and the way that he just grinds down a defense um, I, I think that is still what takes the pressure off Jared Goff, where he doesn't have to be perfect. Mm-hmm. So if he has to be perfect and the pressure's on him, the Rams are in trouble. But based on the Rams' defense coming back, Todd, excuse me, Todd Gurley coming back, I, I think that they are still my number one to to make it. All right, I like it. Yeah, I think that's a good call. I would, I, I think I would say the Chiefs. I'm really high on the Chiefs this year. Um, but I also like my dark horse candidate. Keep an eye on the Indianapolis Colts, led by the. Fearless, former Eagle Frank Reich, and Andrew Luck, Captain Andrew Luck, and follow that Twitter account. Anything else Wait. to add, Pete? I was going to say, I'm the one who's supposed to bring up funny Twitter accounts. Oh, yes. So no, I've, yes. I've got nothing left, man. Thanks. Let's see. Uh, <laughs> while you vamp a little bit, let me look up the Captain Andrew Luck Twitter account, and we can uh, we can give our listeners the latest from Captain Andrew Luck. Let's see. I know that there was a good one last uh, last Sunday after they they got that win. I love these these parody accounts that are, know, are so jumping good. up. Bo Bo Pelini is still the best one out there, but Captain Andrew Luck is a close second, I think these days. All right, let's see. Here we have we have um, on thirty December, dearest mother, I shall not be returning home quite yet. Our unit was victorious in the hard fought rain soaked battle against the Titans. Jubilation. Our men gave it all their might, save for one ricochet. My sidearm was true. We are awash with joy. I love you, Andrew. And then uh, Monday night, last night, dearest mother, our celebration festivities were mighty but brief. We begin our march to Houston to thrice battle the Texans. Each unit has a victory over the other. We shall drill among bulls to better understand their tactics. <laughs> I am equal parts <laughs> confident and anxious, Andrew. So follow at Capt Andrew Luck, Captain Andrew Luck, soldier, cult, simple man, as his Twitter bio says. Do you miss the neck beard on Andrew Luck? I think that's the most important question I can ask right now. Do you miss the neck beard? You know, beard do you I like- don't. I'm not a neck beard guy, Pete. It's uh <laughs> because like I've tried to grow neck beards and uh, they get so itchy that it like I get like sympathetic itchiness whenever I look at someone who has a neck beard because it just looks so uncomfortable. <laughs> so I get like physically uncomfortable when I look at someone with the, with an extensive neck beard. What about you? Do you think he needs to bring it back? No, no, not at all. Okay. I I think he was yeah, I think he made the right call. Ishan's our Andrew Luck guy. We should ask him what he what he thinks of the neckbeard. Is he yeah. pro neckbeard or or anti? I wonder. We'll have to ask him. We'll, Put it on the Twitter poll later. Yeah, exactly. Uh, that's all I've got for this episode, Pete. Anything to add? Anything extra? 
No, happy new year. Looking forward to a, a good, hopefully, college football playoff final on Monday. Good NFL playoffs on Saturday, Sunday. This this is supposed to be the fun time in football. So we'll see what happens. Yeah, I'm excited as well. For our listeners, if you want to catch any of the NFL action this weekend, we have Indianapolis at Houston at 435 Eastern on Saturday. Seattle at Dallas at 815 Eastern on Fox. And then Sunday, Chargers at Baltimore, 105 Eastern on CBS. Philadelphia at Chicago at 440 Eastern on NBC. Should be some good games. I think uh, I'm going to say Indy, Seattle, Baltimore, Philly. What about you, Pete? I'm going to say Indy, Seattle, the Chargers, because I always want to call them San Diego, but they're the Los Angeles Chargers, and I'm going to take the Bears. All right, we're going opposites on Sunday then. We'll see, we'll see who's right next time we chat. We'll be back next time to talk more football stuff, probably break down some college football stuff as well. Thanks for listening so much to The Lineup. Until next time, have a great new year. And this is Zach and Pete signing off for The Lineup.